the passage in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 7, and I will read through verse 13. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're in this series on resurrection people, wanting to be people who live by the power of Christ in our lives each and every day. One of the things that we need to learn about resurrection people is that resurrection people serve. Theirs is a life of service. And we don't serve for honors or positions. We don't serve to earn something. We serve out of gratitude for the grace that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. Christ has done so much for us. We could never repay but we can, out of gratitude, step forward into his grace and serve in his name to give him honor and glory. In the reading, verse 11 describes what are often called various offices of the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, which we know as elders, and teachers. And too often... I see folks get off on the title that they may have from their position. I've even known people to introduce themselves by their title instead of their name. That's a little weird to me. But if we just read the next verse, verse 12, we would learn some humility. Why? Because the job of these leaders was not to get a title or get a position. The job of these leaders was to be examples, to be servant leaders, so that they could teach servanthood by their example to the church. Jesus makes this point in Mark, the ninth chapter, verse 35, when he says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now, he tells his apostles this after he catches them arguing over who was the greatest apostle, you know, who was, who was going to be Jesus' right-hand man uh, when the kingdom comes with power. Jesus says, no, you've got it all wrong. If you want to be a leader, you have to be a servant. You know, even our criteria for getting into heaven you know, oftentimes we think it's, well, I've got to know the right scriptures, I've got to know the right verses, I, I've got to do the right things, I've got to be baptized, amen. Um, I've, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Okay, I'm not saying anything that, that's not important. But you can have done all of that. But if you aren't a servant, you just might not make it in. How can I say that? 
Matthew, the 25th chapter. Day of judgment. Sheep to the right, goats to the left. What's the criteria? When I was hungry, you didn't give me water or food to eat. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me something to drink. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. The least of these that are around us, if we are not focused on serving them, all of our knowledge, all of our righteous acts are going to do us no good. Because the Lord wants to know, are you a servant? Are you like me? Are you following the example that I set? You know, Paul reminds the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 17, that we are to have Jesus front and center in our thoughts and everything that we do. Whatever you do, he says, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And if we are to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, well, what was Jesus? Jesus was a servant. And if we do anything without that attitude of service, without that servant attitude, then we are not doing it in the name of Jesus. Now back to our passage, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 7 through 13. And there we learn that each of us has been given grace. Grace. And it's a gift. And it's a gift that is given to all in the body of Christ. And that gift is given for a purpose. Not so that we can feel good about ourselves. Not so that we can be important. But so that we can equip people for works of service. Now, this isn't some kind of a make-work program, by the way. You know, the government does that sometimes, don't they? You know, whether a project is needed or even wanted, they'll do it, you know, to make work. That's not the way the Lord does things. He has a purpose for everything that takes place. The service that he asks us to be engaged in is for a purpose. And that purpose is that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We serve in order to help people become more like Jesus Christ. And this work that we do for the Lord has a great reward. But don't think that the reward is put off till you get to heaven. It's not all sky and, you know, pie in the sky by and by. It's right here and it's right now. We are promised spiritual blessings. Matter of fact, not just some, but all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. As we walk in his light, we are continually cleansed of our sin. We are blessed by the indwelling presence of the Lord through his Holy Spirit. We are given companions to share the burden of our journey in our brothers and sisters in Christ here in the church. We avoid many, many problems when we live according to the instruction of the Lord. And, you know, we haven't even gotten to heaven yet. Heaven's still in there. But all those other things are ours as well right now. But when we get to heaven, just think about that. Isn't that going to be great? All the wrongs will be made right. All the tears will be wiped away. We'll be where the tree of life grows. And the river of life flows. Where joy will never end. Where sorrows are forgotten. Where loved ones are reunited in a new heaven and a new earth. 
It's going to be an awesome time. But in the meanwhile, our job is to make sure that we are heading that direction and that we're bringing people with us. We do this job primarily by administering the grace we have received by serving other people. That's the way we show God to them, through our service. And this service takes many forms. It can be a physical help. I think that's the one most of us go to first, isn't it? You know, and then we think when we get older or we have some kind of infirmity that, well, I can't do anything anymore. Well, that's a bunch of you know, garbage. You can do something because service isn't li li limited to physical. There are so many things that we need. One of those things is teachers. You know, I may not be able to lift 20 pounds, but I can sit down and study the Bible with someone and share Christ and tell them about him. You know, I may not be the best one uh, to uh, organize a schedule for VBS, and if you know me, you know that's really true. Um, but we've got others in the body who, you know, they're really good at organizing. You know, so there's so many different things we can do. And don't forget, please don't forget, prayer, especially intercessory prayer, is one of the best services, best ways that we can serve one another by lifting each other up before God when we come to him, when we come to his throne of mercy. But words alone are not. You know, Jesus said, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But those who do my Father's will. So we need to make sure that our words and our actions line up with God's will as we go through this life. You know, if you can, turn around and look at the back door there in the center. You see two banners back there? What's the one on the left say? What's the one on the right say? Okay. You know, we are resurrection people. And what do resurrection people do? They serve. They serve because we want to be right with God. We want to serve God. And God has said, the way you serve me is you serve others. You make sure you are reaching out, especially to the least of these. We were brought from death to life for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve in Jesus' name so that others will be drawn to him. In Romans 7, verse 6, Paul tells us that by dying to what once bound us, that is sin, we have been released from the law so that we serve in a new way, the new way of the Spirit. But I'm afraid too many of us don't understand the new way of the Spirit and have held on to our selfish ways instead. We don't understand that we are slaves either to sin or to Christ. And the job of a slave is to do what? Serve his master. And be assured you will serve one or the other. We have to decide. Our choice in this life is to decide whose master will be ours. Will we be enslaved and, and mastered by sin? Or will we be enslaved and mastered by Christ? Which leads to something which is incredible. It leads to freedom. Freedom that we would not have 
if we stayed enslaved to sin. We cannot serve both. We must make a choice. And I recommend that you choose Jesus Christ and you choose that attitude of a slave who is eager to please his master. You know, in Exodus, the 21st chapter and verse 5, we learn how the Lord governed the practice of slavery among the Hebrews. A Hebrew slave could only be held for seven years. At the end of that time, uh, he or she must be set free. But a slave could choose, at the end of that indenturement, could choose to remain in the service of their master. To do this, the master and the slave would go before the judges of the city and declare, uh, the slave would declare his purpose and the master would say, yes, I accept them. And then they would go back to the house and the slave would stand by the threshold and the master would pierce their ear. And that was a symbol that he was no longer his own. For life, he would belong to his master. It was a willing thing that he entered into to serve him. This is what we do when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have come to him and we have said, I no longer want to be my own. I want to be Jesus Christ's. I want to be his servant. I want to work for you and for you alone all my life. I'm not going to run to other gods. I will not seek the paths of sin, but I will dedicate my life to you. When we stand in the waters of baptism and confess that Jesus is the Son of God and our Lord, we are figuratively asking Jesus to pierce our ear, to make us his servant for life. Now, the wonderful thing is that, as I said before, not only does he accept us as his slaves, then he frees us to something that is incredible. He frees us to become members of his household, to be his children. But one thing that we need to understand is that good children will always seek to do what? The will of their father. They will always seek to do the will of their Father. And what is the will of our Father? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, the 25th chapter that we referenced earlier. I'll be reading verses 33 uh, through 40. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison, and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did, for the least of these, my brothers, 
and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, just doing good deeds will not save us. I want to get that clear. If that were the case, then there was no need for Christ to come. He came to pay the price for sin that we could not pay. He came to prepare and show us the way to the Father that we could not find on our own. Indeed, outside of him, there is no salvation. As Jesus declares in, gospel, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those of us who have given our lives to Christ in baptism have gone from death to life, from slavery to sin to becoming slaves of righteousness, but not any righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have gone from becoming objects or being objects of God's wrath to being his beloved children. From alien, not in the outer space way, but from the uh, you know, foreigner, to becoming an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song, Trust and Obey. For us who are Christians, it will be a song that reaffirms our confession and our dedication to God in Christ Jesus. If you are here today and you are not a Christian, this song is an invitation for you. An invitation for you to become a servant of Jesus Christ and to enjoy the rewards he offers. And those rewards are many, but particularly forgiveness from sin and salvation from judgment. It acknowledges that we were redeemed from sin at the cost of Jesus' life, his precious blood. We are not our own. We belong to Jesus. The choice, the choice is, will we take our freedom and continue to sin? Or will we say to the Lord, pierce my ear, O Lord my God, take me to your door this day, I will serve no other God. Lord, I'm here to stay. Will we work for our master in heaven, or will we choose another master? Your reward in this life and the next hinges on your choice. Won't you choose the Lord this day and begin to serve him for eternity and enjoy the blessing that he has. The decision is yours. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?